Good morning again, Chili Bible. I feel a little bit this morning like the Apostle Jude, who says in verse 3 of his little letter, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, feels that he cannot do so because the need of something else is much more pressing. And beloved, I have been eager to speak to you about our common salvation and about its wondrous implications from the, the uh, book of Colossians, but I feel led by the Spirit to speak to you about something else entirely at this point, which is the fact that Jesus is our great high priest. And if you have your Bible, I'd like to look closely with you at just three verses. Uh, they are found in the New Testament book of Hebrews. Uh, they're in chapter 4, beginning verses verse 14 and going down through verse 16. And in times of upheaval and turmoil like this, I hope that they will do for you what they have done for me. They are verses I turn to constantly and derive a great deal of comfort from. And so I hope that you will have a lot of comfort from them as well this morning. Uh, The scripture says, Beginning verse 14, chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to pray for us again this morning that we might understand what God is saying to us in this passage and in our lives through it. So if you join me in prayer. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its power to speak, though it is generations and even millennia old. Its words are as contemporary as today's news, and they have power far beyond anything else that is printed in our world to give us encouragement and comfort and help and aid. They are are spiritual words empowered by your Holy Spirit. And they enable us, Father, to hear your voice speak to us uh, down from heaven to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that your word would speak to us in our situation right now. That by your Holy Spirit, we would have encouragement from your word and encouragement by your Holy Spirit. And encouragement to the extent that we can in the fellowship of the saints who are gathered in many places around the world to do exactly what we are doing right now, to worship you and to pray and to sing and to hear from your word. Father, we pray that we might be encouraged and enlightened and illumined in our souls by your word this morning. We pray in the strong name of Jesus and by your spirit's power. Amen. Well, verse 14 is a verse of encouragement. Uh, Jesus is our great high priest, and he is not like any merely human priest or bishop 
or archbishop or pontiff or whatever other ecclesiastical title that men might bear. He is the high priest par excellence. He is the high priest with whom no other religious figure or leader can be properly compared because he stands by himself in a category of one. He is the one who stands all other priests in the shade. Why? Well, for two reasons. The first one is this, because he has passed through the heavens. Now let's consider this for just a minute. Every other priest in the world or religious leader, including me, serves in some sense as a mediator between God and human beings. Uh, It's my job, for example, to explain God's word to God's people every week from this pulpit. But I and every other mere human is limited in our ability to do that. And the way that we are limited is that none of us have been there. None of us came from there, and none of us will go there until after we are dead. But Jesus Christ is the priest who came down from heaven and who has returned to heaven. He lives in heaven eternally to minister at the Father's side on our behalf before God the Father. And as such, he is a much better priest than any other priest or religious figure or pastor in the history of the world. We have a high priest who perfectly represents us. He isn't telling us uh, about heaven. He has both been there and is there interceding for us in heaven with God. Now, I want to reflect with you for just a minute on the second reason why Jesus is our great high priest. It is because he is the Son of God. And I know a lot of people have difficulty with this whole concept of Trinity. Uh, So here's a quick summary. What the Trinity means is that God eternally exists in three persons, each of whom is distinct, but there is one being who is God. And each of the persons, while they are distinct, is not separable from the others. They are not also interchangeable in their functions. But each person of the Godhead is fully and equally God in all of their attributes. And the point of all this is this. Is that the Jesus who intercedes for us before God the Father is also himself fully God. And so higher than Jesus, we cannot go. We cannot do better than to have a priest who not only speaks on God's behalf to, uh, for, uh, and on our behalf to God for us, but also a priest who is God and speaks on our behalf to God. And the combination of those two facts leads the writer of Hebrews to a great conclusion. Let us hold fast to our confession. Whenever we go through trials and difficulties, whenever we we struggle in life, and we are struggling right now, many of us on an individual level, uh, certainly on a national and even a worldwide scale, we are struggling. And the temptation that we all face is to conclude that our faith isn't necessary or to believe that God either can't or didn't aid us or that he doesn't love us because he allowed something like this into our lives 
something painful, something hard. Maybe uh, you have had cancer in the past. Maybe you have been diagnosed with it recently and have it currently. Maybe you, like me, are a person with an autoimmune disease which will never leave your side absent some miracle cure. Maybe you have lost someone close to you. Maybe you are burying them even in the next few days. And the temptation in those circumstances and others like them is to not hold fast to your confession, but to let loose of it. But the exact opposite thing should be true. When we face pain, we need to cling to our great high priest even more because he is the best that any human being could ever have. And at a time like this, you may be thinking something along these lines. Well, that's all very nice. It all sounds like high and lofty theology, but he is in heaven and I am down here. And he doesn't know what my life is really like and what I go through. How, how can you say, hold fast your confession in the midst of these things? Does Jesus really know what it's like? And if that's your thought this morning, I want to give you verse 15. Look at it with me again. The text says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every respect been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Consider that with me for just a minute. Under the Old Testament system, before a priest could be appointed to be a priest, what he had to do was slaughter a bull for his own sins. A very valuable animal had to be slaughtered by the priest, an animal he owned, firstborn male without defect, to be slaughtered. And the priest would, before he slaughtered that animal, he would lay his hands on the head of that bull and he would name in public before the entire community all of his sins. And then as they cut that animal's throat, what was symbolically happening was that the sins of the priest had been laid on the head of the animal and the animal died in place of the man. And his blood was spilled so that the priest might live. But it also ensured this very important thing, that you would have a sympathetic priest. Because you had to name your sins in front of everyone before they would appoint you. And Jesus, in one important way, is not like that. And it's this, that he is not a sinner. Instead, he himself was not only our priest, but he became the sacrifice on whom we can lay our hands and confess our sins, knowing that when he died, he bore our sins as our substitute, and they were laid on his head, and he took the penalty that we deserved. Amen? So how can a sinless God be a sympathetic priest? If He was sinless and He bore our sins, how can He be sympathetic? How can He understand what it is like to be a person down here? Verse 15 tells us, because He was tempted 
in every way just as we are. And let me, let me clarify a little bit what that means. Uh, the word tempted can also be rendered tested. In fact, in some of your Bibles it may say that. It can be translated either way. But it's not just temptations to sin that Jesus underwent, but also all of the testing and struggle that we have. I read this last week and from an old book from the 1890s, a book called The Expositor's Greek Testament. And in it, uh, W. Robertson Nicole has this to say about this verse. The writer wishes to preclude the common fancy that there was some peculiarity in Jesus which made his temptation wholly different from ours. That he was a mailed champion exposed to toy arrows. On the contrary, he felt in his own consciousness the difficulty of being righteous in this world. He felt pressing upon himself the reasons and inducements that incline men to choose sin that they may escape suffering and death. In every part of his human constitution has known the pain and conflict with which alone temptation can be overcome. Has been so tempted that had he sinned, he would have had a thousandfold better excuse than any man ever had. And even though his divinity may have ensured his triumph, his temptation was true and could only be overcome by means that are open to all. In other words, let me translate out of that maybe archaic language and put it into modern vernacular. Jesus is not like some armored knight being shot at with a kid's suction cup tipped bow and arrow. When temptation came his way, he endured them just like we do. In the same way. And we need to know, as I said, that this word tempted can also mean tested. And the point is, in this passage, that Jesus went through the same kinds of temptation and trials and difficulties and pains that you and I do. And that, my friends, beloved, is wonderfully comforting. It's wonderfully comforting because it means that whatever pains and struggles and difficulties that we encounter, that Jesus knows exactly what it's like. When he suffered, he felt the pain that we all experience when we suffer. And so we don't need to worry like Job did in the Old Testament when he asked, do you have eyes of flesh? Do your eyes see? Because God himself has indeed taken on flesh and a pair of eyes and they do indeed see. We don't need to, to worry about whether or not because Jesus is now enthroned in heaven, whether He understands what we go through. He went through life without sin, not life without suffering. He knows sickness. He knows poverty. When I was a kid, my mother used to ask me, were you born in a barn? Jesus is not only the God-man, He is also a man who was born in a barn. In circumstances of privation, in circumstances of difficulty, He grew up the, the, the adopted son and 
and full son of, uh, adopted son of Joseph, full son of Mary. He was the, the, the child of peasants in a backwater of the Roman Empire where plagues like this were common. He knows suffering. He knows pain. He knows torture. He knows death. And what is even more amazing is that through his death and resurrection, he has defeated every single one of these things. Because, beloved, one day we are looking forward to the day when, as the book of Revelation says, and God himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more suffering or mourning or crying or pain anymore because the old order of things has passed away. Amen? The old order of things will one day pass. But while we were in the middle of them, while we were in them now, Jesus stands for us as our sympathetic priest, as the God who knows exactly what it's like to go through life down here because he walked on this earth and lived a human life just like ours. He is a sympathetic priest. And verse 16 takes all this encouragement and draws it to another encouraging conclusion for us. Look at verse 16 again. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. I'm sorry, that verse 16. Let me put my glasses on. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The kids and I, as part of our lockdown, watched Raiders of the Lost Ark last night and we watched indiana and sala go down into the well of the souls and pull the ark out of that tomb you know what the you know what the lid on the ark was called it's called the mercy seat and in that old testament system of worship the idea was that god sat enthroned above the cherubim on top of that uh, cover that that was his throne that it was a picture of the heavenly throne room which uh, which Isaiah saw which Ezekiel saw which John saw where he is seated enthroned above the cherubim and it's called the mercy seat because it served first of all as the place on which the priest, the high priest, went in one day a year on the Day of Atonement and poured out the blood of sacrifice, covering over the objects in the ark that symbolized the sin of the nation. And it served as this representation of God's throne, that the Shekinah glory of God rested above the ark. Uh, and what we are seeing here. In Hebrews chapter 16, I mean, chapter 4, verse 16, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of what the Ark of the Covenant merely pictured and represented. His blood has been poured out for us, and therefore we can do something that no 
Old Testament believer could do. No even high priest could do except once a year and then with great fear. There were bells on the hem of the high priest's robe so that people could know they had a living priest on the inside of the tabernacle and the temple. Because it was a fearful thing to come into the presence of the living God. But that's not what the writer of Hebrews says that we get to do. That instead of coming in fear and trembling before a holy God, we come boldly before the throne grace boldly before the throne of grace because Jesus our great high priest has offered himself as the final sacrifice necessary for our sins and he no longer has to maintain if you'll forgive me the phrase his social distance from us we can come near to Him who has come near to us. And the Son of God always lives to intercede for us before the Father because final atonement for our sins has been made. And we come not in fear because we are not afraid of a holy God judging us. Our sins have already been paid. And in addition to that, we have a sympathetic and great high priest who goes before us and loves us and welcomes us and receives us into the very presence of God when we go to him. So we are not also like Adam and Eve. Do you remember back in Genesis 3 where they said, we heard the sound of your voice in the garden and we were afraid. And so we hid. We're not like that. We run to Him who loves us, who forgives us, and who has Himself paid the penalty for all of our sin. All of, all of our shame has been paid. He has overcome every barrier for us that we might draw near to Him and He might draw near to us. Amen? Now, let me give you just a few brief words of personal challenge on this. Because Jesus is the Son of God, because He is our great and sympathetic and eternal heavenly high priest, that means two things for us. It means, first of all, that no sin is too great for it to be overcome by His ministry. No sin. I don't know where you're watching this today. There are just a handful of us in the room. But maybe you're watching in your living room. Maybe you're watching somewhere else in a hotel. Who knows? But if you're sitting out there watching this video and you think, I have done too much. I have sinned too badly I am too far away from God it has been too long can I just encourage you that it has not that God's grace reaches so far down that no one can fall beneath it 
If you are a person who would like to be forgiven and to enjoy a relationship with God, it is yours for the asking. Because Jesus, our great high priest, has sacrificed his own life in your place as the sacrifice. And as your priest, he makes atonement for your sin. And there is nothing that you have done that cannot be forgiven. Nothing that you will do that will be so severe it can, be, it can separate you from the love of God, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And let me also underline this, that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ today, and that's all that Jesus asks you to do, he doesn't say, believe in Jesus and that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead and also give money to the church. He doesn't say, believe in Jesus who died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead and give to the United Way. He doesn't say, believe in Jesus and also do some heroic thing. Believe in Jesus and feel really bad about your sins for the rest of your life. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, believe in Jesus and pray 47 prayers. He says, believe in Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth you confess and are saved. It's that simple. And Jesus is our great High priest, God's grace is sufficient for all sin, for all people, for all time. But you must believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in order to receive it. But Jesus is our great high priest, and therefore let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy. And in addition, we need to remember that just as Jesus was tempted by every kind of sin, he was tested by every kind of pain we encounter. And that means whatever we're going through today, that Jesus is also our sympathetic priest who is with us as we go through it. He was born into poverty. He knew sickness and weariness and hunger. He knew pain and suffering and humiliation and betrayal and torture and death. He knew this world of filth and sweat and blood and tears. And he is our sympathetic priest. So are you worried today? Are you anxious? Pain? Are you suffering today? Cry out to Jesus. Because Jesus is our sympathetic high priest and he loves you. And he invites you and encourages you to come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace that you might receive mercy and 
and find grace to help you in your time of need. And because of that, because he loves us, because he invites us to come to him, because he is the son of God who has all power, we have confidence that he will act and he will be present with you through all these things and one day deliver us from it. And we'll either be delivered in this life or into the next. One way or the other, Jesus always delivers. I thank you for listening this morning. I pray that you have been encouraged. Let's pray together. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great and precious promises. That through these we might know the Savior. That we might know that Jesus is our great high priest who loves us, who laid down his life for us as a sacrifice and who brings his own blood to atone for us before you. Father, these things are even hard for us to get our arms around how amazing your grace and your goodness has been to us. But God, our Father, I pray that you would help us that you would help any person who is estranged from you to come into a new relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on their behalf. And I pray for those who are suffering and struggling and sick and, and even, Father, for those who may be dying as they watch this. Father, I pray that you would give them encouragement and comfort and help and grace that as they come to you, that they might know that you are the sympathetic priest, that Jesus Christ has been our sympathetic priest who died for us, who was tested and tempted in every way, just like we are, and who came through it sinless on the other side that he might bring us into your presence and make us your sons. God, we, we pray all these things in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit's power. Amen. Amen. We're going to do a song called Same Power. Let me read 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Let's sing this song.